welcome to the Ego Sumvia podcast with me, Father Andrew Eburn. And I invite you to begin by joining with me in prayer. And this is a wonderful prayer by St. Nicholas of Flu. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, take away from me whatever keeps me from you. My Lord and my God, give to me whatever brings me to you. My Lord and my God, free me from myself, that I may give you all I am, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, thank you for joining me for this episode. Thank you for your prayers, and be assured of my prayers for you. I'm releasing this episode on Sunday, especially as we're not able to join together in church for Mass right now, and so later on I'll be sharing this Sunday's Gospel with you and also my homily. And I'll continue to add new episodes every Sunday whilst the current restrictions are in place. As many of you know, I've been in self-isolation this week under the official guidelines for the coronavirus. I hasten to add nothing to be worried about really, just a persistent cough. But I'm just following those guidelines as of course we all should be right now. And one of the things I've been doing whilst in isolation... It's been to try to uh, catch up with my reading. I've got a whole stack of books beside me, uh, and one of them here is a book by Pope Benedict. Fantastic book on the priesthood, which is titled Teaching and Learning the Love of God. And that's really a summary of the perennial task of the priest, teaching and learning the love of God. So uh, a job of two halves, if you like. The first half, perhaps the more obvious half, teaching the love of God. The priest is always called to teach his people the love of God. And then the less obvious half, not less important, but perhaps less obvious, learning the love of God. Now that, that really is the work of a lifetime, not just for the priest, but for all of us. Learning the love of God, but particularly for the priest Because if we as priests do not understand and grasp God's great love for us, how can we authentically teach it to others? So I've been meditating on this, and particularly as I've been meditating on what to share with you this week. And I know from your comments that uh, people enjoyed hearing something of my own vocational story in the last episode. So uh, just to add to that story... I thought I might share with you some of my experience of being in prison. Before I was ordained, I spent four years in prison as a chaplain, I should add swiftly, uh, just to be clear, uh, and it was it was an important part of my own discernment, part of my own vocation story, as I say. So, how this came about, uh, well, it began uh, with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I knew that the Lord was calling me to do something for him. I didn't know what that was, so I'd started spending time with the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, waiting for him to let me know. 
And you know, I can't recommend this enough to anyone else, to all of us, who have decisions to make or questions that need answers. Give time to the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. He will not let you down. I should say straight away, uh, for myself, I've spent years in my life not listening to the Lord. Years and years, my goodness me. But on this occasion, there I was in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, and a prison chaplain came in. And he needed, as it happened, to fetch the Blessed Sacrament, to take the sacrament to prison. And I was uh, one of the MCs. I had access to the key of the tabernacle, and so I was able to do this for him. And then, for a moment, we stood there, me and the chaplain and the good Lord himself. And for some reason, I thought I ought to say something. Uh, and, you know, I, can, I have to say I can be quite socially awkward. You know how sometimes you get these silences which you sort of feel impelled to fill with speech of some kind or other. Anyway, I just noticed that he looked, uh, the chaplain, just incredibly tired. He looked exhausted. I didn't know then in my naivety that perpetual tiredness is a feature of the life of the prison chaplain, particularly the Catholic prison chaplain. And so I asked him, in my utter ignorance, are there many Catholics in prison? And this chaplain just shook his head with infinite weariness, and he said, too many, too many. And I thought, darn it, I've got to go to prison. There's my answer. I've got to go to prison. And off I went, a few weeks later, off to prison. And I still remember my first day in prison. I don't think anyone ever forgets their first day in prison, but in my case it was uh, then a young offenders unit. It was noisy and bleak and chaotic. And you could feel the misery in the air like a rain of unhappiness falling on everyone. And so I went to the chapel for a service of Liturgy of the Word and Holy Communion, and afterwards uh, a young lad came up to me, must have been, I don't know, 1920, clearly troubled, clearly struggling, and he said to me, I want to pray, but I don't know how. I don't know what to say. I've never done it. Now, I had prepared for just such a moment, or so I thought, because I wanted to uh, take something in with me to prison, so I had printed out, neatly on little bits of paper, the words of the Our Father and the Hail Mary. So I said to this lad, Ah, I said, I've got something for you. And I produced from my pocket... Uh, one of these bits of paper with the prayers. And he looked at me, and he looked at the bit of paper, and he looked at me again, and he said, I can't read. He didn't know how to read and write. So why, well, well, what do you do? Uh, I sat down with him, and I, I tried to explain what prayer is. I tried to explain that in everyday conversation we speak and listen from the head but 
when we're praying, when it's conversation with God, we try to speak and listen from the heart. And I encouraged him to try and do exactly that from his cell, to speak and listen to God from the heart. But looking back now on that exchange with the boy who couldn't read, on my part in that exchange, I'm so struck by my ignorance and my failure to understand, because the Lord didn't need me to take bits of paper into prison. He just needed me to take him. And looking back to that moment in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel, uh, that moment when the Lord was trying to speak to me, the lesson I was being taught was not that the Lord needed me to go to prison. He needed to go himself. He just needed me to take him. And again then, when I reflect on that first day in prison and what was going through my mind, just in, just in that little detail of taking prayers to prison, you know for sure, partly it was about the guys inside in prison. I wanted to have something for them. I didn't want to go in empty-handed. But really, if I'm honest, a lot of it was about me. About me not wanting to be empty-handed. About me not wanting to be unprepared. And we know the Lord says to his disciples, take nothing with you, no staff, no bag, no bread, nor money. And we know it is because of precisely this, he wants to teach them that they don't need to take anything with them except the Lord himself. But me, I struggle with that. If I'm honest, in any situation, the temptation for me is always to over-prepare and partly that's due to uh, a fairly strong sense of my own inadequacies and shortcomings, which is not always unreasonable. A distrust of myself, if you like. But at heart, at heart it is not a failure to trust myself. It is a failure to trust in God. You know, there's a, I think it's a Norwegian proverb, when the storm comes, row hard, and pray to God. Row hard and pray to God. You can't just do one or the other. You can't just row and you can't just pray. You have to do both. But you also have to get the balance right. And now for myself, my instinct far too often is just to row like crazy, which is a failure to trust in God. Why do we not trust in God? We do not trust in God because deep down we do not believe that we are worthy of being loved by him. Learning the love of God. This is what Pope Benedict knew. We cannot teach the love of God if we do not truly understand God's deep and unquenchable love for us. So my prayer for you for all of us in this present time of suffering and uncertainty is that whatever we suffer will also be at the same time an opportunity once more for us to learn to trust in God and to rest in his great love for us. Amen.
Now, as promised, here is my homily for Sunday. And as we are not able to gather together in the church, I'm going to start by proclaiming the gospel for this Mass. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. As Jesus went along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. He spat on the ground, made a paste with the spittle, put this over the eyes of the blind man and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, a name that means scent. So the blind man went off and washed himself and came away with his sight restored. His neighbours and the people who earlier had seen him begging said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, Yes, it is the same one. Others said, No, he only looks like him. The man himself said, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how do your eyes come to be open? The man called Jesus, he answered, made a paste, daubed my eyes with it, and said to me, Go and wash at Siloam. So I went, and when I washed I could see. They asked, Where is he? I don't know, he answered. They brought the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. It had been a Sabbath day when Jesus made the paste and opened the man's eyes, so when the Pharisees asked him how he had come to see, he said, He put a paste on my eyes, and I washed, and I can see. Then some of the Pharisees said, This man cannot be from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How could a sinner produce signs like this? And there was disagreement among them. So they spoke to the blind man again. What have you to say about him yourself, now that he has opened your eyes? He is a prophet, replied the man. Are you trying to teach us, they replied, and you a sinner through and through since you were born? And they drove him away. Jesus heard they had driven him away, and when he found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Sir, the man replied, tell me who he is, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You are looking at him. He is speaking to you. The man said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. The Gospel of the Lord. What is it that enables us to see Christ? To see him as he really is. In our Gospel today there are two types of sight. There is physical sight and physical blindness. And there is spiritual sight and spiritual blindness. Two types of sight and two miracles. The first miracle is the restoration of the blind man's physical sight, which happens in a few moments at the start of the Gospel. Jesus anoints the man's eyes with mud and spittle. He washes himself in the pool and he can see again. A wonderful gift. But the second miracle, and the second gift, the more important gift, is the miracle of spiritual sight, the gift of faith. And this happens a little more gradually. 
you can trace the progress of this miracle in the way the blind man speaks of Christ. At first he speaks of the man, the man Jesus who has healed him. Then, a little later on, his spiritual sight starts to seem to get a bit clearer when the Pharisees ask him, what have you got to say about Jesus? Instead of calling Jesus just the man, he goes a step further. He says he is a prophet. And then finally, the blind man comes to the full recognition of just who it is that has touched and healed him. It is the Messiah, the Son of Man. And he says to Jesus, Lord, I believe, and he worships him. And this miracle, this second miracle, of the eyes gradually being opened so that we come to recognize just who Jesus Christ is, this miracle is, of course, one that we are all invited to live out ourselves. It's one that we are specially invited to live out during Lent. Lent is that time when we start to simplify our perspective, perhaps move to one side some of those things that impede our view of Jesus, perhaps try to make sure little by little that really nothing else truly dominates the horizon other than Jesus Christ. Now, if you ever have the chance to go on retreat, you might well experience the same process. So the first day or so when you go on retreat, it might be the case that you're still struggling to leave the world behind, its worries, its stresses and responsibilities which can fill your mind and fill your perspective so that you're no longer seeing the Lord as distinctly as you should. But after a couple of days on retreat, these things tend to fade. The horizon clears and your spiritual sight, like the man in the gospel, is wonderfully improved. So I wonder how our sight, how our perspective might be affected by the current situation we find ourselves in, by what I would call the long lens of the coronavirus. I'm sure you've already recognised some changes in everyday behaviour, people behaving badly, people behaving well, so that the situation with the coronavirus becomes a kind of lens which can magnify people's vices and their selfishness, but a lens that can also magnify their virtues and their altruism. But for us, as Christians, as people of faith, as people who value spiritual sight, can this situation, this long lens, can this also become a lens which magnifies our view of the Lord, which magnifies our relationship with him, which teaches us to trust him and to live according to his word and his love. Let us pray then that in this present crisis our eyes, like those of the blind man, might gradually be open to Jesus, to his gifts and to his presence beside us, so that every day, whatever difficulties it brings, we might still join in the words of the gospel. Lord, I believe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
So, as we come to the end of this podcast, thank you so much for being with me. Do get in touch with any comments or questions you have, and I'll upload another episode next Sunday and hope to join you all then. Let's end, as we should always do, with the prayer of our Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.